so when I was uh, about seven, eight years old, uh, when I was younger, we spent a lot of time in New Hampshire hiking, and, and we, we loved that as a family. We did as a family all the time. When I was about seven, eight, or eight years old, my dad told me, he's like, we're going to go to the special place. We're going to go to Franconia Falls. Who here has heard of Franconia Falls in New Hampshire? So you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. He told me, he's like, we're going to go on this hike. It's going to be great, guys. And to give you a little background, the year before that, we went to New Hampshire. He's like, we're going to go on a hike, guys. It's going to be great. So at that point, I was probably six or seven. It takes us on a five-mile hike up the mountain. <laughs> five-mile hike down the mountain. Seven years old, not digging that. No, there's no view at the top. We didn't even make it to the top because seven years old, I got exhausted by the time I got to the top. But next year, he says, we're going to go on a hike. So we're like, yeah, we're going on a hike. All right, cool. We're going on a hike. But he says, no, we're going to Franconia Falls. I'm like, all right, what's Franconia Falls? Sounds like a waterfall. Waterfall is cool. He says, it's even better. And for those of you who know Franconia Falls, you know that when you get to the top, when you get to your destination, it's natural water slides. There are water slides in the rocks, and it is great. So he tells us, we're going to a water park in the mountains. Now I'm like, all right, cool. Now jazz, I'm like, let's go to Franconia Falls. This morning we're going to talk about the wise men and the journey they took. And they too had a, a very similar excitement. They, they knew what was coming. Um, they, they saw the star and they followed it. And they had this excitement to follow the star. And they knew what it was going to be at the end. So let's take a quick moment. We're going to read through Matthew 2, 1 through 12, which is the story of the wise men. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star should be told. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come to worship him also. If we know his name. Uh, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child, Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. Now, we've all heard that story many, many times, right? We've heard the wise men. Every Christmas pageant we go to, we see you know, three wise men carrying three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They come, they find Jesus present their gifts, and all is well. So I want to talk for a few seconds about who the wise men were, because we hear the story, and we just say, okay, cool wise men. First thing is, we know that there was more than one wise men, but there wasn't definitively three. There could have been 20 of them. There could have been 30. There could have been hundreds of wise men appearing to Jesus. The reason we think it's three is because the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, make sense to be called three wise men, but we don't definitively. They were called Magi.
which is where we get the root word for magician, us. The Magi in that day were seekers of truth and knowledge. They were similar like scientists that we have today. Uh, they were usually something like an astronomer or uh, a chemist, but in actuality, in back that day, they were called astrologers and alchemists. The reason the difference here is, is these magi were more like religious scientists. They, when they would look at the stars, they'd try to glean something out of it, something spiritual out of it. Or when the, the alchemists would, would start trying to transmute something into gold, it was usually with some sort of incantations or some magical properties, you know, putting in some whatever into their, their transmutations, hoping that would help. They traveled for a long time. They didn't, they didn't find Jesus in one night. They traveled for around two years is what we know because of the decree that Herod um, had, had uh, given in, in the later verses. The wise men were probably aware of Jesus' coming through Daniel. Um, in Daniel 2.48, um, it says, Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the uh, whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Now, he made him chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Now, if I were in Daniel's position, I would certainly be sharing the what I knew of God's word to the chief, or to all of the wise men of Babylon. So we can assume that that's where they knew of Jesus' coming, is through Daniel. Um, and interestingly enough, Matthew, the book of Matthew, So the first, first thing we can glean from the wise men, and, and the huge piece about the wise men, and the reason they found Jesus wasn't because they were really good astrologers, they were really good at following stars. It was through divine guidance, right? Because we know that um, without the star, they would not have found Jesus. And that star was not just a star that was in the sky all the time. It appeared to lead the wise men to Jesus. So... Divine guidance leads to worship. So they followed a star, right? We know that. And this star is only through God. Only God was able to, uh, to divinely guide them by this star. Now, interestingly enough, I don't think I would have been able to follow a star blindly for two years. Not knowing where I was going. Not knowing where I was going to lead, where was going to lead me. For two years, they followed this star. My wife and I, we uh, we live about eh, 20 minutes south of Worcester, um, so we visit Worcester quite often. Uh, she worked in Worcester for about four or five years. I did not. I worked in Connecticut for many years. Um, so she knows Worcester pretty well. I do not. Now, when we go and visit Worcester every single time, she, I'll be like, we're going here. She's like, okay, I know exactly how to get there. My like, cool. We start driving down the road. We get right about to the border of Worcester every single time. And every single time, without fail, I whip my, whip out my GPS. Because I'm like, okay, I have no idea where I am now. Even though my wife says she knows where we're going, I need to know where I'm going. The wise men didn't have that. They didn't have, they didn't have an iPhone. They couldn't whip it out and say, hey, Siri, navigate me to Jesus. Right? They didn't have it. Hey, Google, hey, Google. 
Siri is trying to navigate me to Jesus right now. So the wise men, they didn't have that, right? They couldn't just, you know, pull up their GPS or whatever. They had a star. That's all they had. I don't know about you. I can't go 15 minutes through Worcester without having guidance. A direct direction and where my destination is. So the wise men, though, it wasn't completely without any help. When they reached um, Jerusalem, they, they came in, and they were making all this commotion, and Herod says, please come see me. And then Herod's like, yo guys, what are you doing here? And they're like, oh, we've come to see the new king. And Herod's like, whoa, new king, I'm the king, right? We know that. Now, so in order to clarify some things, Herod summons all of his smart dudes he's got around him, all the guys who knew the Bible really well, and and he asked me, he's like, what's, what's going on here? And they said, they told him that um, this baby was to be born in, in Bethlehem. That's where the new king was going to be. So without knowing it, these chief priests and these scribes, they were able to help and direct um, the wise men to find Jesus, right? We know this. Um, and interestingly enough, in, let me see if I can pull it up, in uh, verse... Um, interestingly enough, when the wise men received this direction from the scribes and, and the, the chief priests, they start heading back towards Bethlehem. And it actually says the star reappeared. So well, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I'm assuming the star disappeared for a moment and then reappeared as they started heading towards Bethlehem. So they may have not been able to find it without the chief priests and scribes' help. So... What does this mean for us? I'm going to share with you a quick verse, uh, Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So God has called us to, to be a light. Now, without knowing it, the chief priests and scribes were being a light to the, uh, the wise men. And just as, as we go about our walks with God, we too will find that sometimes we are being the light. We may not know it, or we very well may know it. I don't believe the chief priests and scribes knew it at the time. And I don't think they knew what impact it was going to have. The wise men were the first Gentiles to worship Jesus. They began bridging that gap for us. They were the first ones to bridge that gap for us, which So the worship of Jesus by some Gentile wise men was the reason Matthew felt this was so important. Now, the book of Matthew tended to follow more of a, a Jewish viewpoint, and it was written for the, the Jewish people. So why did Matthew feel it was so important to explain something of these, these Gentiles? These, and, and they weren't just Gentiles. These guys were magi. They were performing magic. They were trying to transmute stuff into gold or following the stars and trying to determine something from the stars. So I don't think these guys were just, they were, they were you know, on the verge of becoming Christians. I think they were as far away from that as possible. They were as, as far separated from God as possible, believing in the things of the devil. Now, they started following the star, and, and they found Jesus, and they worshipped him. And they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they came to worship Jesus, which is 
which is why I believe Matthew told the story, because now Jesus' coming didn't just affect the Jews. It didn't just affect Jerusalem. It affected the whole world. So that's to say now divine guidance for the wise men didn't come without some uncomfortableness. It was very uncomfortable for the wise men, I'm sure. Two years traveling on a donkey or camel or whatever they decided to ride on, or, you know, not being at home. And I don't know about you, but I really love my home. I love my bed when I get to sleep in it at night. And we're traveling, even if I'm staying in a hotel, which has a bed, I still can't wait to get home to my own bed. Wise men, however, decided to travel for two years, following blindly the star. Now, everyone knows that guidance from the Lord is usually uncomfortable. I am not comfortable right now. <laughs> Josh guided, um, Josh, by divine guidance from the Lord, um, decided to form this team. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm very uncomfortable. Because the Lord is guiding me and directing me to, to preach, which is something I am not used to at all. I'm not used to public speaking. You can ask my parents when I was a child, I would have, at any chance, they said, oh, you want to be part of the Christmas pageant? No. No, I did not want to be part of the Christmas pageant. They made me do it anyway, but I did not want to be part of the Christmas pageant because I hate being up on stage. I hate being the focus of everybody. My birthdays, I would be like, they'd be like, let's do a big party. No, I don't want a big party. I hate being the center of attention. Now, the wise men, when they came, they made other people feel uncomfortable. They came in, and this is a very important verse here. So, when Herod heard, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. But not just he was troubled. All of Jerusalem was troubled with him. Wise men came in by divine guidance to Jerusalem and made everyone feel uncomfortable. Because they're like, whoa, what's going on here? New king, what's this? We know we know the prophecies, right? What's this about the new, new king? And why, why did the Gentiles know about it? These wise men know about it before we did. When, when you are led by divine guidance, you are going to be made very uncomfortable. Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him de deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We all know this verse. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. I don't believe carrying your cross is comfortable. The Lord says, If you follow me, you are going to be uncomfortable. Now, uncomfortableness who's been a Christian at any point in time and has felt the Lord tugging on your heart knows it's going to be uncomfortable. Now, the greatest part about divine guidance is divine guidance leads to amazing and great joy. I have not, at a moment in my life, ever been without the joy of the Lord. And I can say that with confidence. I can say that at every given moment, when I feel down, it takes but not two seconds for the Lord to remind me that he's there and he brings me great joy. Now, interestingly enough, the words used by Matthew to describe the joy of the wise men when they finally found Jesus, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they finally found Jesus, they had exceedingly great joy. I'd be happy with 
I'd be happy with great joy. But these men, they received exceedingly great joy. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Inexpressible and glorious joy. When we receive the end result of our faith, we receive this joy. And I'm sure many of you can attest to this. There are times where we're going to feel uncomfortable right now. There are times where it's not going to be easy. But we're never without joy. The Lord brings us great joy. So a heart of worship towards Jesus brings us an inexpressible joy. Inexpressible. We can't, I, I can't explain to you guys the joy I feel. And it's not that I'm happy all the time, because I get down, I get asked my wife, I get grumpy, I get, I complain sometimes, but it's never without this underlying joy. I never feel so down that I just feel like nothing else is working. I have this joy within me to just, I, I can't explain it. It's inexpressible, because I have the Lord. The Lord is with me. So that's just, it's just an incredible thing. Now, if you're here this morning, more than likely, you have felt divine guidance. Or, more than likely, you are on the path of divine guidance this very morning. Maybe um, you were guided here directly by the Lord. Or maybe um, you came with someone. God used divine guidance through them to direct you here. That's incredible. You are on the path, the same path as the wise men, right? Or maybe you're a Christian here this morning, and divine guidance hits you. Very, very easy to get going the right path. Very, very easy to stay comfortable. Because the last few times we've stepped out from guidance, we know what happens. We get extremely uncomfortable. I am extremely uncomfortable. But I know God's going to do great things. Worship team wouldn't mind starting making their way back up. So, one thing I can say about uncomfortable, uncomfortableness of of you know, divine guidance. So, I have I have a buddy at work. Um, he's a Christian as well. I work with two Christians. I'm extremely blessed to work with two Christians, especially in the field I'm in. It just so happened I grew up with these two guys, which is pretty amazing. So in our cubicle, we have this list of rules that say, you know, some stuff like no farting, you know, no talking to Miles, because the guy gets really easy, easily distracted. We have silly rules like that. We also have some actual rules, no talking about politics. Now, this, this list of rules sat on the board for on our board for a little while, and we continued to go. And me and my buddy, we would, you know, as I'm writing the sermon, I'm talking to him about it. He's talking to me about about the lessons he's planning, and, and they were usually pretty private conversations. We weren't super loud. We usually just would have these conversations. Now, oddly enough, a few days ago, I looked at that list of rules, and I usually don't look at that board, but I see one rule on there. No, no, no talking about religion. The conversations me and my buddy were having were making people feel I don't know who I made feel uncomfortable. I don't know who wrote it up there. 
praying with my group, my, my cubicle because obviously God is touching them, making them feel uncomfortable. And I also had a conversation with another guy in my cubicle. Outside of the cubicle, we'd be walking, he asked me about something. He knew I was waiting for something. He'd ask me about it. How's it going? What are you going to talk about? He's searching. I can feel it. He's looking for something. I don't know what it is, but he's looking. Divine guidance hit him. Divine guidance hit the person who wrote No Religion in the Hole. It made me. Father, thank you so much for the new thing that you are doing. New things are scary. They're uncomfortable. You take us into uncharted territories. You're leading us, Father, to become the kinds of people that we wouldn't choose to be if we were left to our own devices. And yet, that is the clear example that we see in Scripture. Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit and decisions of faith, would you give us the courage to move into these areas where we aren't comfortable, but know that we these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning and God bless.